G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 41 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in guys, uh, episode 41, Scotty Waters is the gentleman I have along with me tonight. Uh, with me tonight. Uh, a lot of you that follow uh, football uh, in general in Australia would be familiar with Scott. Uh, Scott played with the West Coast Eagles, Sydney and Fremantle, uh, and also coached uh, St Kilda for a period of time uh, a few years ago. So uh, Scott uh, and I have known each other for a little while. Uh, we have a, a general uh, interest uh, in mental well-being, mental health, particularly uh, young adolescents and mental health. And Scott's doing some work now um, uh, with an organisation called Life Changer, which he uh, started a few years ago with Trevor Hendy, who's uh, an ex-Iron man, which uh, many of you may, uh, may well know as well. And um, you know, Scott's uh, pretty well regarded um, with regards to his uh, knowledge and ability to be able to sort of help motivate young people. He's done some tremendous things with some... Um, some young guys over the years to mentor them and be able to help uh, change their lives. And uh, we've got a similar passion and interest in, uh, in that to be able to help inspire and, uh, and help people uh, live better lives, better educated lives, better, better physical and mental uh, uh, lives and, and also living to uh, our capacity. So Scott's doing lots of work in, um, in various locations throughout Victoria and Australia with his team to be able to help uh, educate uh, young men and, uh, and men in general. So I thought he'd be a great person to get along for a chat. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of our com- out of our conversation with regards to his knowledge of, uh, of, of well-being, but also his knowledge of football, what actually what actually he went through uh, as far as his own mental health is concerned with his uh, time in footy uh, and with his uh, exit uh, from St Kilda, which would have been pretty hard on him, as I know. And um, Certainly, we're going to talk about that and also about uh, what he observed when he was playing AFL with regards to players' mental health. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, he's a really good guy and uh, you know, very, uh, very, very um, uh, inspiring when it comes to, uh, to, to talking about uh, well-being in general. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. Very special mention to Green Nutritionals that uh, support the podcast. Uh, please check them out, um, greennutritionals.com.au, suppliers of tremendous uh, products which support our physical and mental health, and uh, I cannot recommend them highly enough, so please jump on and, uh, and have a look at their site. Also, B Prime will help us out as well, which are a minimalist footwear company, so if you just want to check them out, so if you're looking for uh, some good footwear to either run or just walk in, uh, they're, they're minimalist, so connect us more to the earth, it's just the letter bprimal.com.au. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you joining in, and I'm sure you're going to learn, uh, sorry, enjoy this conversation with Scott and I. Cheers. Scott Waters, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. G'day, Aaron. How are you? Good, mate. Really good to, to speak to you again. It's been uh, been quite a while since we, I think we had a chat a year or two ago, and um, mate, you've you've done uh, some amazing things since then. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, what you're doing now and, and your life up till uh, I think you're 52 now, is that right? I am, mate. I'm, I'm, does that mean I'm in the second half? But I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there, Aaron. I'm uh, enjoying life, enjoying uh, watching my three boys grow up. And um, no, it's been, um, been a pretty good journey. So looking, looking forward to the second half of it as much as the 
That's true, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you're in the third quarter, maybe sort of thing. So, uh, or the, or the, the, the the second half, as you want to put it. But uh, yeah, I I uh, I believe that uh, you know life's changed so much now that we can still thrive into our seventies, eighties, and nineties if we choose to. And we'll, we'll talk more about that, mate. But I'm really grateful for you coming along. I know you've got lots of wisdom with regards to uh, men's health, well-being, um, you know, trying to give guys some guidance to be able to live their best lives and be able to become, you know, more conscious and self-aware. And, uh, you know, I really remember you as a, as a young guy running around playing for uh, West Coast and Sydney and, and Fremantle and um, really admired what you're able to do as a footballer and sort of passed that. And I'm sure lots of people out there would uh, would be of the same, you know, sort of seeing you run around in the 80s and 90s and, uh, and beyond. And, Mate, um, can you tell us a bit about your background? I know you sort of grew up in WA and sort of how you got uh, started uh, in life and in football and, uh, and sort of how it all evolved for you. Yeah, um, look, I was really fortunate to grow up uh, in, in Fremantle uh, in Western Australia and in many ways my childhood was, it was pre-America's Cup, so Fremantle was, it wasn't the polished-up cafe strip that it probably is now. It's still a great town, but it was it was pretty earthy. It was a really working class port town, really multicultural. Um, you know, if you, if you walk down one street, you'd be bumping into Portuguese kids or Italian kids and mm. Indigenous boys and the whole lot. It was a it was a great cosmopolitan sort of feel. Um, so I loved growing up there. Got involved, you know, with footy. Sometimes I think sport sort of chooses you. You um, you know, you might kick the ball well or throw throw the ball well or whatever it might be and, you know, someone notices you and then, you know, that puts you on a bit of a path. So, look, I love I loved all sport, but I was very drawn to, to footy, mm. um, which which led you down that elite pathway. Spent nine or ten years playing AFL footy um, after coming out of the South Fremantle zone. So I got to play with uh, my first year, I was... I think 17, still going to school, and I got to play with my my idol in Miles Rioli, who just come back from Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just a really nice moment because he was someone that I really admired. He came from South Fremantle in the first place, but um, to share the ground with him and spend a bit of time with him was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then um, you sort of embark on a, a, you know, a nine or ten year AFL career and all the ups and downs and the highs and lows of that, but great experience um came out of that and then i think my next next key job really was working full-time in a juvenile detention center uh, called bankshire hill in perth so um 13 to 18 year old uh, males mainly uh, about 60 percent indigenous boys mm. and uh one of the great jobs that i've been you know, really fortunate to, to have I've sort of had a few unique ones over the journey, and that was one of my favourite jobs of all time. Just um, probably really emphasised to me just how important environment is for people when they when they grow up, um, and how that looks so different from one person to the next. But I thought ninety eight percent of those boys in there were just they were good boys, you know, good hearts, good souls, and just through circumstance as much as anything, um, they've been placed in some really challenging environments. But um, really enjoyed that. And then um, sort of got drawn back into footy, uh, coaching at under-18s level. I had a, 
a mate ring up who was looking for a coach. I tried to find him one, and in the end, <laughs> I came home. You're like this. I came home, and he was sitting at the table with my wife, and he said, he said, mate, the deal's already done. Your wife's agreed you're going to coach the under-18s for nine months. Really? Um, yeah, and I said, what do I have to do to get you out of here? And he said, just give us nine months. I said, all right. <laughs> um, four weeks later, you know, you become absolutely addicted to it. You know, again, it's about creating an environment, you know, where people get to be their best. That led to coaching Subiaco in the state league, and we had three amazing years, two premierships and three grand finals. And so I got tapped on the shoulder and got a call from Mick Malthouse and um, went over to Collingwood. We had a premiership there and then uh, went down to Geelong uh, in the second year. And uh, that led to coaching at St Kilda, which even though it was a really tough experience and a, a really tough time for the club, Still very thankful for you know the opportunities to go through not only the good the good parts of sport but also the really challenging parts. And St Kilda was particularly challenging, but mm. um, I still look back on that whole footy journey, and it's been amazing for me. So um, incredibly grateful, mate. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And I guess you know looking looking at from afar, um, you know those years ago when you were at St Kilda. It seemed that the media was very, very heavy on you, and um, and there was lots of pressure around that. And I know you know the circumstances when you went into that role were uh, were very challenging, as you said. How did that affect you uh, with regards to your own uh, mental health? Were you able to be quite resilient through that process and sort of the exit out of it? Yeah, I think the first thing is you that you go into well any any high pressure role, whether it's you know, coaching or leading a business or, you know, sometimes leading a family. Um, but there's, there's always pressure. And, look, I think public pressure, roles that have public-facing pressure, as being a head coach does, you know, that, that brings with it different challenges. And there's a lot of parts to that that you actually can't control. Um, so you choose to... I've always been one that, you know, I don't... I don't get particularly high, but I don't get particularly low. I've sort of got a pretty, mm. um, you know, I, I love the quote from Neil Danaher a while ago where he said, uh, life is great, but life isn't always fair. Um, so there's going to be challenging times, mm. um, but being aware and knowing that that's just part of life, I think it just gives you a, a perspective that can help you through. Um, but there were times when, you know, there were things in the media, whether they be lies or just complete fabrications, where you'd love, you'd love to grab a journal and actually go, well, um, why, why are you actually writing something that's completely not true? But that's yeah. that's part of the game. Mm. Um, you roll with it. Uh, I've always had really stable family. Um, I've got a strong sense of, of who I am as a person. Um, and I don't think you're ever just the football coach or the CEO they're just your titles. Um, what you stand for and your values are much more important than those transitionary titles that you uh, um, you have over the journey. So uh, at the end of it, um, when you get sacked as a head coach, you know, you're disappointed and angry and bitter. You go through all of those emotions. Um, but I certainly never felt like I was in the fetal position uh, at any stage. And I put that down to just having a good tribe of people around me um, you know, I've always looked after my health. I've got a good family. So all of those things, I think, help you, 
move through the challenges that life will throw at you. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's probably the best way that I could put it. Do you think when an organisation moves someone on, they actually take those things into consideration? So is, uh, is, our, is our actions here going to affect his uh, mental well-being? Is he stable enough behind the scenes to be able to, uh, to deal with this? Or is he going to crumble? You know, do you think organisations in general, whether it be in sport or uh, private enterprise or whatever, actually take those sorts of things into consideration and how it can affect a, a person once they make those, uh, those um, I suppose, decisions? Um, look, I, I think that's hard just to answer and in putting all organisations into one bucket. But I think there are, there are some organisations that do a a great job. I always say that you can tell a lot about an organisation by the way you enter that organisation and by the way that you actually exit it. Mm. I think that says a lot about an organisation's culture and their values and genuinely how they care for their people. Mm. Um, I think there are a lot of organisations that fall well short of that. Um, I can only talk from my experience uh, but at that time, and I certainly hope things have changed a little bit for coaches now um there was literally no support uh, i think one phone call from the coaches association um and certainly no support from st kilda mm. um but that's probably just the nature of where things were at at that time for coaches in general so um it, it was very much a, i guess a, a transaction based business you know we know that sports about results um some of the good organisations, sporting organisations, are now starting to realise that if you look after your your people, you actually get better performance anyway. Um, but that's not that's not always been the case. Yeah, oh, absolutely, mate. I've been mate, redundant a couple of times uh, last decade um, from you know fairly senior roles, and it was brutal. Uh, you know, not just for myself, but also other people that um, that experienced it and. Uh, you just feel totally empty. There was no, uh, no, no support. Or maybe uh, here's a thing for for an EAP, a phone number or something. But um, uh, you know, you, you've got a few dollars to keep you going for a while. But other than that, you know, what what I've found through through that experience and that that process was that attachment actually caused suffering. So if you're really attached to a role or a title or whatever that can actually like really affect you and your balance. But if you've got a, a solid foundation under that and you know yourself really well, when these sort of situations uh, occur, they don't probably affect you as much. And, and you sound like you had a really good foundation at that time, so you were able to be able to support yourself and obviously had people around you that could support you as well. well I think you, you summed it up perfectly. That, um, you know, we run through the foundation that I'm a founder of now, we, we, we call it positive self-identity. So mm. when challenging, we see so many athletes as an example and businessmen as well that, you know, whether they're delisted or they lose a job title, um, they've attached so much of their self-worth to that title that um, their world, you know, it really comes crashing down in, in quite a big way. We see it with a lot of Olympians, um, and we certainly see it through a lot of AFL players as well. Mm. Uh, if we put more time early into those those young people, actually making them aware that you'll be much you'll be much bigger than any of the roles that you actually take within your life, um, 
then when some of those roles succeed or some of those roles fail, they'll still be okay. And that, that's the really key piece that, you know, I'd love every kid in Australia to have because, you know, life is going to throw challenges at you. It's, it's the best part of life, you know, mm. how you cope with them, the character that you build from facing adversity, you know, that's how you build resilience and character. Mm. Um, but I think it's really important that we skill young people and you know, build their positive self-identity enough so they make their way through, they don't end up you know, crippled in a heap on the floor because we haven't supported them at a young age. Um, I think that's a really important piece that we need to bring into more teenagers' life through school curriculums, sporting clubs, you know, anywhere where we can get in contact with them, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I talk quite often about you know, the, the education system really gearing you and educating you to support the economy and not really educating you, you know, to have the foundations to be able to support yourself and your mental and physical health, um, you know, well. And, um, you know, when I, when I talk to a young guy, uh, I talk about the higher levels of consciousness and how people can, you know, get the best out of themselves by tapping into them, which are, you know, I always say gratitude, kindness, compassion, um, you know, are really the, the, the foundations for, for good mental health. If you're able to find those things for yourself on a daily basis, then you'll be okay in and out of adversity. And uh, to be able to display that to other people is, uh, I believe, our innate human nature. But when we sort of become attached and we become, become judgmental and uh, comparative and critical, we can certainly fall uh, in a heap quite quickly when, uh, when something doesn't... Um, uh, go our way or we, we, we do find ourselves a victim of a circumstance which we may not align with and and that can really you know throw us out of balance as you uh, you summed up really well and, and that that term positive self-identity is um, is something I've never really heard before I'm really grateful you shared that with me thanks mate I, I think about a lot of the listeners you know to, to this podcast which I know has been going through the roof mate so congratulations and <laughs> um, but a lot, particularly, you know, in, in regional areas, um, and particularly males, you know, a lot of blokes, you know, I've come from, you know, footy culture where, you know, you go through the 80s and 90s and you've got to be a man's man, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I would challenge, you know, some of those stereotypes to, you know, think about how you're looking after yourself physically and, you know, what are you doing on a daily basis just to, make sure that you're, you know, you're keeping your movement up. Um, try some breathing exercises that just really can put you in a really good headspace and take away a lot of the stress and challenges of every day. You know, you know, if you're knocking yourself around because you're drinking too much alcohol, well, really think about how that's impacting your quality of life. I think you know, every person should, should be trying to make the most of their life. Mm. So... Uh, yeah, I think there's lots of different tools and techniques that guys can use to you know, make sure they're looking after themselves and making their way into really good you know, physical and mental health. And obviously those two are just so inextricably linked. They're, they're just joined. So um, I think we can do more. And, and as blokes, I think we can challenge ourselves more to be better prepared for every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, you know, I, I've been really lucky, Scott, to sort of move out of um, that headspace that I was in years ago. And what I actually learned by, by going and learning sort of meditation and yoga 
sort of taught me the importance of setting a foundation up for you uh, yourself early in the morning so you can sort of tune in with yourself and I believe guys in general we actually wake up with quite a bit of anxiety our minds are going and uh, we've sort of got to be able to come back through the gears as I always say sort of come back to that neutral mind and um, if you get that back to that neutral mind that's sort of a, a space where you can just be more aware of your physical and mental well-being and using the breath is a great way to do that and, and using the body to actually connect to the breath I've always found for myself to be really uh, really uh, important whether that's running or just skipping or doing something to actually get the heart rate up a little bit and then move into a meditation practice where you can sort of sit still and slow the mind down just by, by breathing um, you know mindfully and those sorts of things and these are the things that we don't really receive education on particularly you know, people of our era um, and beyond and um, you know, lots of guys that I've sort of uh, been able to work with over the years are in their 60s and 70s and have tremendous anxiety but um, just by giving them some little tools like this uh, has been able to help um, them to be able to be a bit more um, resilient and uh, be able to sort of you know have that uh, self-respect and self-awareness that uh, they've probably missed out on for many years because they've been so geared towards just working hard and making money and providing and all those sorts of things. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I think one of the one of the great things, and we we did this at Collingwood Footy Club. Um, oh, I was coaching the, the defenders, so Nick Maxwell, Harry Terry O'Brien, and um, Oh, Ben Johnson and Heath Shaw and just an amazing group. Um, and we had Steve Griffith, who's a really good meditation practitioner, been going around for 30, 40 years, and he basically taught the whole team how to meditate. Mm. And the defenders in particular, we really latched onto it. So there'd be two or three times in the day we would go from, you know, really, you know, whether it's a two or three hour weight session or a heavy endurance running session or a a footy skill session, almost immediately after one of the defenders would go, right, boys, let's go, 15-minute uh, meditation in the room now, bang, the lights would go off, someone would put on the stopwatch, and we'd be in the dark, you know, 10 or 12 of us, quick meditation, and they'd come out of those those bursts of, of breathing and mindfulness ready to go, you know, ready mm-hmm. to go. So for me, it was, it was a way to get into a real high-performance um, mode, so, you know, we saw that with these guys were amazing athletes right in the prime of their career. Um, that, but that's something that every person on the planet can actually access. You don't have to be an AFL footballer to treat yourself, you know, in an elite way. I just think every person should be looking at their, their own mental and physical health and treating themselves like an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why not? But the meditation side of it was incredibly powerful for that group. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I agree. Uh, certainly, uh, once once people sort of get uh, below the shoulders and start to tune in with the body, the body can teach you some some wonderful things. And, and just sitting and observing and just sort of feeling into into life in general without sort of being too too dominated by the thoughts uh, can can really help. That Scott, I I, I, um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but. I was lucky enough to be able to be invited into some prisons to teach yoga and um, mm-hmm. uh, and that was high security and uh, I, I was able to, there was actually one ex-AFL player that you'd know that was uh, a prison guard <laughs> which, which, which was involved. So the guards and, the, and the, 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 the inmates would do yoga and over an hour and a half, mate, 
you got everyone back to their soul. Uh, everyone was back to their neutral mm-hmm. mind. And as soon as they s- sat up, everyone was equal. It didn't matter whether you, you know, you'd done this or done that or whatever. Everyone actually had this beautiful sense of complete balance about them. And I just think that taught me that that's accessible to everyone on a daily basis, whether you've had lots of trauma or you, you know, you're in a high stress role or, or whatever, if you can give yourself time to actually like just, as I say, come back through the gears and get settled, then you actually see life as it's really happening. And I just think that's really our uh, what, what was meant for us. You know, we're sort of really dominated by the stimulative world these days and uh, a lot of the things that cause stress, tension and, and anxiety. And if we can do things that actually like just get us back to a harmonized uh, level and some balance again, like you did with those guys, you know, push the body, sit in a dark room, be quiet, um, you know, whether that's doing that or listening to an app or whatever, I think everyone's got the ability to be able to sort of, you know, just get settled. And, and that's, that's, that's what really creates um, you know, harmony and balance within the, in the well, it does within me, within my own uh, mental and physical well-being, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I always look at it as you just need those little circuit breakers over a 24-hour period, you know, stress stress accumulates. Um, fatigue, stress, anxiety, it, it sort of layers upon itself. Mm-hmm. So you just need to find those ways of, you know, there's so many different ways to describe it, but, you know, I know when I start to feel um, like I'm getting unclear in my thoughts or there's too, too many thoughts racing around my head because you're balancing a big workload, mm-hmm. you know, for me it's always finding a way to just go and connect with nature. So you go for a walk. The water, the water for me is just one of the greatest gifts. So if I can, if I can just get somewhere where I can spend 10 to 15 minutes having a swim or a surf, you know, body surf, whatever, mm. I always will come out of that water just feeling completely recharged and, and clear. So, you know, people just need to find their, their circuit breakers, whether it's breath, whether it's movement, um, you know, it might be reading, it might just be sitting quietly, going for a walk, whatever it is, but you've got to find your, your triggers that help release that stress that builds on all of us, you know, mm. from day to day. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Tom Hafey come to mind as you were saying that, and a lot of listeners would remember Tom Hafey, but remember him coming up to the Wimmer and, um, uh, in country Victoria where I'm from, and, and, you know, he'd go swimming in people's dams early in the morning and... Now, just give himself a, a real boost and a real charge to start the day. That might not be for everyone, but you know, when you are feeling anxious, stressed, and you know, I drove back from Gladstone this afternoon. I was really tense when I got out of the car, but I just sat and played an instrument for a while and did some breathing. That sort of settled the mind down and got things sort of back to balance. I could have went and had a beer, but um, I just thought that was a more healthful option and. Um, so yeah, so it's it's maybe moving the body through through uh, a run or a swim or, or whatever, or playing an instrument or something that actually gets you connected with yourself again. I think that's really important, and um, sometimes we look outside ourselves for uh, for that connection through a substance, or we look at it through some food or whatever. But if you can actually like just divert yourself and just say no, I think I'm just going to do something that's really good for my uh, for my well-being here and make those choices more often, then eventually it starts to become more of a habit and uh, you start to be able to bring these practices more into your daily life so you don't sort of get as tense and stressed. Yeah. When, when, you, when you lock into those ones that really resonate with you as an individual too, mm. it becomes very addictive, you know, uh, in a good way. 
So if I don't just get a um, sort of close to where I live, there's a you know just an amazing sort of cliff top headland overlooks the ocean. If I if I can just get a a walk up on that cliff once a day and get in the water, then my day's done. Oh, I've had a great productive day. Everything else flows from that. So. Mm. Yeah. No, people need to find their thing. They need to find that thing that breaks down that stress. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, sleep's a big thing to us uh, for us as well, Scott. Like, I believe that sleep is the the tide that all the other pillars of health ride upon. And if we if we can get our sleep cycles right, and then a bit of unison, uh, then you know we do set ourselves up for a, for a good day the following day because we sort of wake up feeling refreshed and. I always believe that you know not taking a lot of food to bed is always beneficial. So getting in tune with your body and actually like giving your body what it needs uh, to set yourself up for a good night's sleep, but also to be able to give yourself the ability to be able to um, you know just refresh and replenish overnight. Um, it's a big thing, and you know a couple of times a week, maybe having a lighter meal is always a, you know a good option. Um, and just, I really encourage people to sort of look at, um, you know, what, what it is with food, how, how long it takes to break down in the body and maybe making some choices that aren't, um, so hard on the body at night. And that can really help, uh, the sleep cycle because a lot of us guys don't get great sleep and that can really affect our mental health as well. Yeah. I, you know, if you have to think about it, you know, LeBron James has probably been, you know, arguably the, the best athlete on the planet for the last 10 or 20 years. Um, he prioritises sleep above everything else mm-hmm. as being the most important contributor, you know, to his own level of peak performance. Mm-hmm. So when you... And he, and he spends huge amount of money on his, um, you know, on his physical recuperation, you know, and mental recuperation. So when you've got a guy like that actually saying, well, above everything else... Above the weight, above the running, above all of that, um, sleep is the number one thing. I think that's a that's a pretty strong indicator. Um, and the best advice that I ever received around nutrition uh, came from a I can't remember the name of the book, but it was it basically taught you that um, so in the morning it was eat to your appetite. Mm. You know, don't over don't overdo it. Whatever your appetite is, just eat eat to your appetite. Have you have a decent meal at lunchtime when your internal system is fired up and your metabolism is at its most busy? Mm. Um, but to your point, it was always, you know, eat early so you, just, you give your body an opportunity to sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, and and not be digesting food overnight. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for people that have restless sleep is that they eat too late, mm. and their body is caught between two modes you know, um, digestion and recuperation. So give your body a chance. Yeah, that's right. And, and we don't sort of realise that, you know, the whole natural cycle, um, you know, is as the sun goes down, we sort of go down with it. And we um, we, we, we obviously regenerate uh, through that period of time. And I just believe, Scott, you would have observed this over your journey as well, like, uh, you know, back in the 90s, uh, the pubs went from sort of, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock closing to 1 o'clock and then all of a sudden we've got this cycle of, uh, of being awake later and eating later and all those sorts of things and human, human health um, has risen, uh, sorry, mental health has, has, has risen, uh, issues have risen and physical health has risen as obviously as well with cancers and all these other things coming into the body and 
Uh, I just think that uh, because we've sort of got out of the, the rhythm of, uh, of life, um, you know, some of this disease has started to creep in and, and that's obviously uh, escalated with the, the mental health challenges that we have as well. Mm, yeah, I think when people are at their best, look at cultures where they have um, real longevity from a lifespan point of view, you know, they, they rise with the sun and, and almost go to bed as the sun goes down. There's um, mm. a, a different cycle of life that's in, in connection with, you know, I guess the flow of nature. Mm. So there's a lot, to, a lot to be learned from that, I think. Absolutely. And, and like, we've just got to look around us at, at uh, other, other animals and, and things going about their business. They're, they're going within that natural cycle. I just think we've just been sort of uh, geared uh, away from it. And if we can just be aware of that, um, that can really have a big impact on our on our well-being physically and mentally and help our quality of life, Scott. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, mate. Um, obviously, uh, I'd like to, you to, 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 to tell the guys uh, listening out there a little bit, a bit about what you're doing now with Life Changer. And I think you're involved with Trevor Hendy uh, with regards to that and some other great people uh, Delivering programs around the country to help uh, young men's mental well-being. Yeah, no, we we set up the Life Changer Foundation five years ago. Uh, this year, we'll work with somewhere between ten and thirteen thousand teenagers, uh, five states in Australia, and then also we've started running programs now in Auckland, New Zealand as well. But mm. so it's really exciting for us. You know, we train local mentors, we get them involved in the program, so we have local people looking after their own, you know, their own young people within the community. Mm. And, and ultimately, it's about building thriving, resilient teams. So we, we focus a lot on, on health, you know, mental and physical, a lot of the things we've discussed today. Life skills, you know, goal setting, problem solving, gratitude, kindness. Um, the whole program is about them exploring who they are, strengths and weaknesses. Um, we link them to their purpose, so that those moments in time when, you know, they're really in the flow and motivated, we, we get them to really think about those those moments. And then the last the last pillar that underpins the program is tribe, and it's really about bringing the whole community together mm. um, and just getting more connected, you know, within a community. So we're yeah, really enjoying it. We're seeing great results with you know kids improving their resilience and self esteem and building their positive self-identity and uh, we think it's really important we think it's a challenging time for kids as it always is uh, COVID's thrown some different challenges at families um, but we're loving the work we're doing and we're inspired by what we're seeing coming from the kids who are pretty amazing no matter where you go so um, yeah. we're enjoying it mate we're enjoying the journey it's tremendous isn't it and yeah I, I agree like we you see these young fellas and, and I was one of them um you know, that have got sort of behavioural problems or, uh, you know, they sort of act out a little bit. And um, I always sort of say to, to, to young guys, um, you know, what's going on? Why are you behaving like this? And I had a young guy in there yesterday, and he, he, he opened up to me that he'd never opened up to anyone before with, with, a, with a matter that happened to him. And you know, I just think, you know, our generation never had that support and now... And now, you know, we're able to sort of have conversations with young people and, and sort of express um, the ability to be able to sort of, uh, uh, you know, let young guys or people in general know that it's okay to talk about what's going on within yourself so you can move through that blockage and heal. And um, 
Uh, I just think we're in a, a great time in humanity this decade you now to be able to, to make some fundamental changes to the way that we, uh, we overcome the challenges that we have in our lives and be able to you know, move forward and, and be inspired by people like yourself to be able to you know, take new pathways in our life that can actually help us thrive rather than just survive like a lot of us do. Yeah, I think I think people need a couple of things, you know, to get really... I think they need to... Innately, I think human beings want to actually connect with other human beings. I think that's part of our DNA. Mm. And I, I think every every person deserves to have a, a great environment or the best environment around them to, you know, actually fulfil their potential. If we get those couple of things right, I think there's a fair chance that more young people and probably more people overall are going to live the best version of their life. And that's a, I think that's a noble goal for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's, it's something we, we need to aspire to rather than just uh, just going around in, in, in circles and, and going through the motions. Actually give yourself an opportunity to be in an environment where you can, you know, love what you're doing and, and thrive. So that's that's beautifully said, Scott. How can people get hold of you if they want to learn a bit about about yourself uh, with what you're doing with Life Changer and maybe get you to uh, help out with uh, facilitating some programs in their areas? Yeah, I look, they can head to our website, lifechanger.org.au, have a look at what we're doing. Um, and there's also an opportunity there to, you know, send in an email to, to find out more or connect with one of the community programs. So, um yeah, they can absolutely go there and we'll always respond, mate. So, um, again, if, if people feel like they want to learn a little bit more, please reach out. Yeah, appreciate it. I really encourage people to do that because what you've said and, and what you're doing is pretty amazing and it's giving some um, some some people, like uh, I think, what do you say, ten or 13,000 people you're going to sort of be speaking to over the next sort of year or two. That's... That's tremendous for them, but there's obviously room for you to expand that into other areas. So if you haven't got a life-changing program in your particular community, touch base with Scott and his team and see if they might be able to do something to help out. So really appreciate your time, Scott. I think a lot of guys and ladies out there would have got a lot from our conversation and really, really grateful for you to to come onto the podcast and share your wisdom. Uh, good on you, mate. It's been a real pleasure. I love what you're doing. And... Um to all your listeners, look after yourself and make the most of your life. Get out there and get amongst it. Guys, thank you very much for joining in and listening to Scott and I uh, have a chat there. Uh, some really good information uh, coming from that conversation. Uh, Scott's got lots of wisdom, knowledge and um, you know, a real passion for, for mental well-being uh, and be able, being able to sort of help young people but also people in general get the, the most out of their, their time in these bodies and, and in this life it's it's so important to you know just give ourselves a chance to, to to start to thrive rather than just sort of survive in our lives you know we've all got the opportunity to do it and if we can just get some inspiration to to move out of the things and the blockages that might be helping holding us back and move into the things that may help us thrive i think we're going to live better lives moving forward so Really appreciate you joining in. If you want to touch base with me, email me at support at outbackmind.com.au or just check the website www.outbackmind.com.au and um, yeah, looking forward to some pretty special guests coming on over the next uh, four or five days. So keep tuning in. Thanks for your support. Cheers.